the BRICS organization, Brazil, Russia, India, China, Saudi Arabia, and expanding in order to replace the American petrodollar as a primary form of exchange. And it's already happening. If that does happen, the oil price that holds up the American petrodollar value around the world will significantly change. And what you could see is the crashing of the American dollar. They're pushing for that China right is now. very happy to be willing to try to crash the value of our currency and replace it with theirs. You know, and the thing again, it, it's so significant, and it's because what we're seeing right now with the framework, it's like I think again, going back to number two, our government actually feels like not only they see this happening, but are actually allowing and you know, encouraging the collapse of the dollar by their reckless spending, giving, you know, not only, you know, our money to Ukraine and spending like wild. Meanwhile, they don't spend money on our borders or on our veterans or our, or on, you know, building up our military. But what are they doing is they're setting up the CBDC. So when that crash happens, all of a sudden they're ready to now move us into a digital dollar. And what we find out is right here in Utah County, I don't, this, this is something that we just came out. Um, they are setting up the uh, framework through blockchain technologies is be being developed in Utah County that will tie in the digital dollar to your, um, uh, basically what will be your social credit score to your digital ID so that they will be able to have everything all manageable on every individual when that dollar crashes. So again, you talk about everything going on and what's happening in our, in our backyard. Well, it just so happens the UN is, is, and a company right here, actually, with some of our uh, Utah County commissioners are on that company building that infrastructure right here. I mean, honestly, well, it's, that's... It's huge because Utah's a tech state. And so it makes it easy for these guys to do this. They've got all the pieces, all the international parts, the money's here. And uh, so all they have to do is implement that and put it to work. Yeah. yeah. I remember about a year and a half ago, you, you know, when Alina first warned me to what you guys were doing with your driver's licenses there. That's just, ID. I mean, that's part of the bigger puzzle. That's the, that's the amazing part of what you guys are working for, for the state of Utah right now is you've got a 500 piece puzzle. You know, you've got the edges all put down and now you're starting to fill in the middle. And eventually what you're going to see is a picture. And that, that picture is tyrannical. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston. And again, with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tom Hazelton. Good to be How here you doing, as brother? always. Always good to have you. Excited for this show. Tom, Tom I love because he's not afraid to uh, speak up, not afraid to fight, and uh, not afraid to uh, not afraid of the consequences of standing up for truth. And, and that matters in a, in a time like today is we need more people willing to stand up and uh, call out corruption at, in, at any cost. But uh, today we have an incredible show um, and a guest that we are absolutely honored. It's, it's kind of a cool story how it came to be. And uh, Tom, why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, give the uh, introduction to our incredible guest. Guys, we have, uh, we have a pretty dang amazing guest yeah. here today. And yeah. uh, I'm excited about it as well. And the more I, the more I learn about this, uh, uh, this amazing individual, the more enamored I am about what he's doing to uh, help the cause of freedom across the country here. So. Let's welcome Darren Gobb. 
And I'm going to read this uh, read this bio here because it's uh, it wouldn't do me justice just to talk about it. But he is a proud fourth generation Montanan who enlisted in the United States Army in 1991, was assigned the United States Army's Presidential Honor Guard in Fort Myer, Virginia. He later joined the Montana Army National Guard in Billings uh, while working on his bachelor's degree in Bozeman. He graduated from Montana State University in 1998 and began a career as an Army aviation officer flying the Black Hawk helicopter and commanding up to the brigade brigade level. Now that that right there, that's one of the most amazing things that's to me. And I deal. was telling him earlier about it. I think that's incredible. He spent one year in South Korea, <clears throat> one deployment to North Africa, four deployments to Afghanistan, one deployment to Central and Eastern Europe, and multiple assignments around the United States after earning three bronze stars. That's cool too. Wow. And other higher awards over a lengthy career. He retired in August 2019 out of Fort Carson, Colorado and returned home. During his career, he earned two master's degrees from some of the nation's most selective graduate programs upon retirement. He became the Montana State Coordinator for All Army Funeral Honors, but resigned that position to direct and serve as a spokesman for Restore Liberty Nationwide. He's been on everything. Not to mention uh, We Are the People now. Yes, we'll add that okay. to the list. We've got uh, Darren's appeared frequent as a frequent guest on Fox News, Newsmax, Steve Bannon's War Room, Real America's Voice, One American News Network, NTD News, AM560 Chicago, Let's Talk America, Dr. Alan Keyes, America Unhinged, Dr. John Diamond, and numerous other outlets around the nation. Darren's articles have been published in the Epoch Times, uh, the Armed Forces Journal, Armed Forces Press, the Havoc Journal, Real Clear Defense, Real Clear Politics, CD Media, American Center for Democracy, American Family News, RVRVR, and the American Free News Network. Wow. In other words, this guy's a big deal. <laughs> I could right. probably go so, on. So, yeah, so this guy is a is a huge <laughs> deal. And um, we got a podcast and a show that's focused on Utah. And uh, sort of the great people here in the state of Utah, uh, we this this gentleman, uh, who's probably one of the biggest experts in what's going on internationally in, the, in this world right now, is actually pretty interested in our backyard. And uh, so first off, Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason, Tom, what a pleasure to join you today. And I'm looking forward to digging into what's going on in Utah, letting people know why what's happening in Utah actually matters to the world. And that, that's a, it's a big deal. Um, it's going to be a quick hour. Yeah, well, we're excited. So it's actually kind of cool the way this whole thing came together. Um, you know, after uh, Alexa and I were, were able to be on with Epic Times talking about all the issues going on in Utah, uh, apparently Darren saw that and uh, said, and, and somehow we were able to get in touch with each other through an incredible person, Alina. Um, and uh, he reached out and said, Hey, you know, I just saw what you guys did on Epic times and really think that's significant. So we said, well, geez, let's bring you on the show and let's talk about it. So uh, Darren, enough talking from us. Uh, tell us why in your, why did the Epic times thing stick out to you? Why does Utah matter, especially when you are so, focused on everything happening internationally in the world right now. I mean, there's the world's on fire and there's so much to talk about. And yet here you are interested in a, the teeny state of Utah, which seems like what's, you know, what's nothing, nothing is here, nothing, nothing to see here. So tell us why that caught your attention. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting to me was that it popped up in me in my, in my newsfeed, because I have to watch all these outlets that eventually will sometimes bring you on and you have to talk about something. You're like, eh, I don't remember that headline. So, my alerts now are always going off. And as soon as that popped up, I saw your name, Jason. I was like, yep, that name looks familiar. 
Um, you mentioned Alina, so through Restore Liberty, of course, we had endorsed you for some work uh, running in the past. So upon that recognition, I was like, well, let's see what this is about. Uh, and the headline, of course, talked about the United Nations and the things going on, which Alina had also warned me about it and had been talking to me over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, so I snagged that very quickly, went to the interview, do, read, the, or read the part that was written in there. And I said, yeah, this, this sounds very consistent with everything that Lena's been telling me. And the reason why that truly mattered, not, you know, not only to the members of people in Utah was it, but it was, it matters to what's going on nationwide and really globally too, because one of the things I look for is patterns and put those patterns together. So a lot of folks are really locally focused, which they absolutely should be. Uh, but part of what we do in our organization is step back and say, okay, where else are we seeing these things come up? Not only in the U.S. Not in, in Utah, but around the world. Uh, I've got a 15-member nation global veterans coalition also now, <laughs> just in case I didn't have enough to do. And the beauty of that is I find out the truth of what's going on in nations around the world through veterans. And the United Nations tactic of planting themselves in states here, nations elsewhere, and other things is consistent across the board. So what you're doing there really is a proof of concept for the United Nations with things like land control, water control, 15-minute cities, injecting them into our nation. And if it works out and we can get established there, it's kind of like planting a small plot, a plot of grass over time, it expands and covers a bigger area. That's their tactic that, they, that they're using around the world. So that's the tactic they're using in Utah. So if the people in Utah can fight back against this and kill it there, that'll have a huge impact on their long-range plans. Excellent. I wanted to mention something that uh, you talked about, the, the UN here, the United Nations, and they've got a stronghold here in Utah. And I think that you're aware of that as well. There's only two places that they reside in my uh, in my understanding, where they actually have sovereign ground, one is in in America, in America, New York City, and Salt Lake City, and that's that's uh, that's that's pretty particular for us to to understand that. And and Jason here had a had a uh, a little meeting with uh, our our local governor Spencer Cox and called him out about the 15 minute city thing, like you mentioned, with the United Nations being connected to that. And Governor Cox outright lied about it in front of his face, and this thing went viral, saying there's no such thing as a 15 minute city, and I know nothing about it. He also said there's no such thing as, yeah. He also interesting. I asked him if if he had heard of the World Economic Forum, and on and interestingly, he said there's had never heard of the, there's no such thing, never heard of that either. What are your thoughts on that? Politicians are seasoned liars, and there's no way <laughs> you're going to get into a position like that and not hear a 15 minute city's World Economic Forum. And the harder you fight back against it, the harder they're trying to hide their deep knowledge of it. So. I think you know very well that he knows about it. And uh, it seems like he's just going to boldly lie right to your face. There's a reason why that video went viral. Uh, these politicians are getting called out left and right now. And it's, I'm amazed in some ways about how much they're just trying to basically gaslight everybody they talk to. Yeah. So Tom brought up a good point. You know, so the UN meets in, uh, has met in DC, or not, excuse me, New York City. And then the only place other than, New York in America is Salt Lake. Why do you think Salt Lake? Have you thought about that, or what, what's your uh, thinking about why? Is I mean, again, there's why not California? Why not you know um, 
you know, there's so many liberal states. Why would they choose Utah? Like sleepy Utah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, part of it, I think you just said it was sleepy Utah. Nobody expects it. And they're always going to try to do these things in places where they think nobody's going to really look. And Utah is one of those states. Plus, Utah, like Montana and a lot of these larger Western states, unfortunately have a lot of land that's federal too. It's easier for them to put these into place where they have the greater amount of control. I think Montana, last I checked, was something like 40% federal land. I'm not sure your percentage exactly in Utah, but I know it's fairly significant. Close to 70. I think it's, yeah, in the 60s. I 60. And that's, there should be no federal land owned in any state. And I think at the best, they should lease it from the people who own it, which is, of course, us. And in Utah, specifically you. So that's, I, my, my mind went immediately to the fact that sleepy Utah, no one's looking. We can slip this in, have nobody pay attention. By the time we've actually been successful with what the UN's trying to do, it's too late for anybody in Utah to do about it. And now they can take that as sort of like, you know, the, the Normandy beachhead and they're going to expand out from there. When you, when you look at Utah, there's a few things that, you know, stick out to me as concerns. Um, obviously, you know, the China-Utah relationship, which according to, you know, to the uh, uh, Associated Press, China has a bigger foothold in Utah than any other state. You look at, like Tom said, the United Nations and their, and their uh, foothold in Utah. You look at the World Economic Forum uh, and they're pushing these walkable 15-minute cities and you see right here we've got the point, 15-minute city there, and then they're starting Utah City, which is another 15-minute city. And then you see that... Uh, you know, you've got this organization called Envision Utah, which is all, which is this uh, group of um, former politicians, current politicians, major stakeholders as far as, you know, the owner of the CEO of Zions Bank, people from the Church of Jesus Christ, the leadership, leadership of the church out here. Uh, I mean, every single powerhouse is associated in this group. And you've got people from that group, Envision Utah, saying that uh, Utah should be the birthplace of the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, so you have so many of these things here, but tell me, what is your, if, if there's one thing that people, that you're concerned about here in Utah that's happening, what, was, what would you say is the biggest concern to you? Well, it, you know, it was actually kind of a, a tie in some ways between two things because they're so disparate. One of them was, uh, when I talked to Alina, the, the control of the water and the draining of the water resources and what that means to Western states. I mean, Montana is the same as Utah in this regard. Water is a, is a pretty big deal and we've given up our rights in Montana specifically to the reservation. So you're having a similar problem, not only rights to access and control, but you know, they're actually draining in cases. The second one that was just a tie that was tied in my mind was the 15 minute city itself. And not only because those things are individually dangerous and what they're trying to achieve in using this whole fake climate crisis in order to achieve greater control over people's access and transportation and all those things critical to an economy, but how those two locations you mentioned are going to network in and tie into 15 minute cities across this nation to the point where it's going to be like a rapid spreading cancer. I know there's something like 60 places that are selected for 15-minute cities, and you guys, and you know, sadly, are first in line. So, again, if it succeeds there, it'll affect everybody else. 
So for those, because they're obviously pushing this in Utah as, as a as these walkable cities as a good thing, why should our our viewers and listeners be concerned about these fifteen minute cities? Well, first of all, of course, it's, this is not a we the people decision. It's a they the government decision. And anytime they the government start making decisions for the people, even if they're just using developers and and, and quasi proxies to do it. There's, they have a more nefarious intention behind them. And this is all, of course, done under that umbrella of that false climate conspiracy garbage. And so as you take this city and really what you're doing is using this as a means of controlling the people. And here's your excuse. We're not going to allow vehicles. We're not going to allow us, we're going to go carbon neutral, even though there's no set of thing and ne never will be. Uh, these are just kind of like the, the seeds of a technological tyranny to where they're monitoring you because they're going to monitor what you're doing because in order to make a 15 minute, what everything that it's supposed to be, they have to know exactly where you are all the time and everything you're doing and try to control your outputs and inputs. So basically this is just simply one more means to control the lives of people using the excuse of, oh, this is good for the environment and good for the planet, uh, even though, as we know, there really isn't a problem with that anyways. Can I jump in on something real quick yeah, yeah, on, on, on climate? Uh, w while you're on climate, this is another thing interesting about Utah. Uh, we've got a, uh, a current congressman, John Curtis, who's actually now, I, I, I sounds like he's getting ready to run for, our, you know, for uh, Senate, again, for uh, Romney's seat, who is the leader of the Republican, uh, caucus, Republican Climate Caucus. caucus. So he, so again, right out of Utah, one of our representatives is leading the charge on climate change and pushing the Republican party to put, be more aggressive in, in the fight for climate change. Again, it's like, you can't yeah. make this stuff up here about no. Utah. I mean, it's, it, what, what is your thought on climate change for these, for these people like, you know, on Curtis, who's pushing the Republican climate caucus. And for these people who are pushing climate, 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 what's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah. First of all, of course, that's just one Republican proving the fact that the uniparty exists, and that's one of the things we need to tear down. But, you know, second of all, that anytime that you say that you're not in favor of the climate change arguments because they just, they don't really have the data and the evidence to support their claims, human-caused, whether it be global warming, global cooling or cooling or something else, uh, all of that, again, is just a mechanism to try to control people through fear, but they want to look at us who, those of us who don't believe in the, in, in the climate change arguments and act like we're the ones that are just wanting to destroy this planet. You know, up in Montana here, we say, you know, the real environmentalists are farmers and ranchers. They really understand the land and what's really going on. And I'm sure it's the same in Utah too. You know, the, the local people who do the farming and the ranching and various other things are the true environmentalists. Nobody wants to pollute. We want clean air. We want clean water. We want to live in, a, in, a, in an environment that people can thrive in and, and, that, and that is healthy. But that doesn't mean that we have to believe in this argument that climate change is going to destroy the planet. And they're using that fear in order to inject all these control mechanisms into the, into the people and the citizenry. Because that's what they need. In order to do all of this, is, it's just based on fear. Climate change is just one of those tools and it, and it ties directly into those 21 goals of the U of the UN agenda. 
And if you look at that, you know, we all put our tin hats on and we start going conspiracy theory, global governance. I brought up several examples that, that, you know, you were, you were even citing there with the 15 minute city and and it goes hand in hand with this, this climate, uh, whatever, whatever it is they want to call it, because it's something different as from time I was a child to the time now it was, it was cooling and then it was, it was warming and now it's climate change. Now it's climate activism. It's, it's all kinds of things, but the thing that's interesting is in, in Oxford, England, they've already instituted some of these things of 15 minute cities where they've put the cameras and the trackers they've had these, uh, you know, so a car can only drive at certain times or certain, you can only have a certain type of car, whether it's a, a clean diesel, or if you have this, then you're fined. If you drive outside the city limits, um, on your day or, or not on your day, they will find you. They just simply send you something or they deduct it out of your bank account and, and it's getting more nefarious day by day. This is not freedom. And that's what people need to understand is that when this 15 minute city stuff happens, not if, but when, if we don't push back on this, these are the types of things that are coming to America. And, and you stated something very powerfully that Utah is one of the first, or if not the first that's being slated for this. So it's interesting, the, the real estate that's in Utah, that's developable right now, some of the most prime real estate in the country, in my opinion, especially in Utah. And now they're turning this into 15 minute cities, which the UN has their, their agenda. They put their their clamps down through other organizations here in Utah, Envision Utah, through the government and other local organizations and and developers. They all go hand in hand. And now the people go in and they say, hey, this is fantastic. Look at this peaceful slavery. Isn't this awesome? And so that's what we're concerned about in Utah. But you you hit the you hit the nose or, or the uh, the nail right on the head. And uh, that's why we're concerned about Utah, because it's coming if we don't stand up and actually do something about this. Amen. Amen. So tell us. Um, one of the things I love about what you talk about is you talk about the, this, uh, this five point war and, and, and again, that makes, again, when people understand what this five point war is, is you look at everything going on in the world. And I think you summarize it so perfectly. Talk to our listeners about the five point war. What, what is that? What does that mean? And- yeah. And part of this just comes to the, uh, the military background and how I, how I'm wired to think and how someone may take this in a different direction and do whatever they got to do to make it make sense to them. But frankly, we, I always consider this, the American people are at war, whether they know it or not. So I, I boiled it down into five areas even, and you could argue that all these five really kind of merge and become just one giant conflagration. But the first one was it's our own federal government against we the people. They've clearly taken the constitution, thrown it out the window. They're doing everything they can to get around it and, and forgetting the fact that that's the contract that they work where they work for us and work for the employer. They're the employee. And if we don't enforce the terms of the contract as the people, then it is just a piece of paper and it's, but you know, that's what they're counting on is apathy. And so, and you can find examples of course across the board about our government going after the folks look at the department of the, the department of injustice with all the you know the fbi the homeland security pieces as well every time you turn around there's another example of a federal agency coming after somebody who why would you do that you know raiding someone's house because they have a pro-life message and they fight in that arena or, or trying to control school board hearings and multiple examples so calling mothers domestic terrorists yeah, calling mothers domestic terrorists. So, so that's the first one is basically the government moving from its role as as servant to to more of a role of the master. So that's that's the first the first point you're saying. 
Yeah. And if, uh, if people were to sit down and write a power pyramid, you know, where's the federal government and where's the individual in that most people today, just due to lack of civics education, would put the federal government at the top and the individual at the bottom when it's the opposite. And we were actually yeah. built the opposite. But yeah, again, if we don't enforce it, then it'll never go. The individual is the top of the power pyramid in the country and the federal government is supposed to be the least relevant. Yeah. I would, I would actually say the, the founding fathers set it up that uh, God is the top of the pyramid and then the end, each individual. And then, like you said, then the government there to simply serve and protect each individual's inalienable God-given rights. So hundred percent. And they've, and th that's why there's this clear war on God and war on our values is if they can erase our morals, our values and erase God, then our rights must come from somewhere else, somewhere other than God, which becomes the government. So I, I a hundred percent agree. That means okay. they can take it too. Yes. Okay. What, what's the second point? Second point is our, is an actual physical front, which is our Southern border. And frankly, the people that arrive at the Mexican border with Texas and Arizona and New Mexico are at the end of the plan, not the beginning, or, I, or maybe you could argue that it's the middle of the plan, not the beginning. So these people are getting moved through United Nations camps in the Dead Green Gap in Panama. And the capacity of those camps is increasing exponentially. And after the beginning of the year, they're going to be able to move up towards like a, maybe a million people a month through these camps. With your background, can you tell us a little more on, on how you uh, have information on that? I have a very good that's, network that's of people across the world. In. And uh, <laughs> none of us work for the other. We collaboratively share information amongst each other because we want to help do what we can to expose this and help save our country from what's coming. So what, what, um, and Michael Yon's my soul horse in Panama. If you've heard of him, he's, oh, he's, amazing. we talk quite a bit. He's amazing. I'd love to get him on, on the show too. He's, he's incredible. So tell, tell why should our, uh, a million a month, why, why should be people be concerned with, especially cause Utah, one of the interesting things about Utah is Utah is, is, uh, well, as you are probably aware of has been acting as a sanctuary state. Uh, in fact, people, we we were told by ice that people on the other side of the border are being told go to Utah go to Utah. Uh, they will not deport you. And the governor says, we want Utah to be seen as a welcoming state. Um, <clears throat> we've always been, you know, we always lean on the side of being, of being very soft on illegal immigration in this state, which, which I, again, one of these things interesting about a red state, why should the people of Utah be concerned about, uh, the, this mass influx of illegal people coming into the country? It's quite simple because the mixed in among those people coming across that border are going to be terrorists. They're going to be bad people. And they're going to come after our cities and they'll come after Salt Lake City as well, for sure. Our infrastructure, they're going to go after a lot of the things that help sustain life in America, frankly. That's, and that's why Utah should be concerned. If you're the soft target because you first allow in people because you're sanctuary, then they're also going to go after you as a significant target once whatever they have planned, they were told to enact. That could be, again, clean water. It could be your um, electrical power grids. It could be internet. It could be a lot of different things that would make life in Utah hard. And frankly, there's a, there's a right, with I-15, of course, going right down the gut of Utah, that's a significant mobility, what I would call the military, a mobility corridor of movement of people and equipment and we don't know what their plans are, but we know they're not good. This gets into the idea of 
why, like even last night, I spoke down, down here in Nacogdoches, Texas area, speaking to local community groups about how you build local community defense. You're going to need that in Utah, just like anywhere else, because these people are in your state. And you don't know exactly what you're going to, what they're going to do, but you need to be vigilant and keep an eye out on those things in your state that uh, would be considered critical infrastructure. I mean, the most critical is, of course, the people. And the second most critical is all those things that sustain the ability to, to live life there. And those people come and I'll give you one quick example and I'll hand it back to you. There are journals down in Panama that account for everybody that goes to these camps. Thousands and thousands of pages of those. It's, and I got a picture of one sample. 22 lines per page. 18 of those lines were young, single, fighting age men from China. Saying they were going to Mexico to be tourists. A more accurate way to write that would be for your people in your state would be, these people are coming to Utah to be terrorists. Did you... Uh... <clears throat> You know, the ICE documents that were uh, released, uh, did you have a chance to look at those or, or see those by chance? Are you I did, with them? yeah. And if you look a little bit further past the Utah line, my state's on there too. So it's, Montana. they're going to take advantage of this across the board. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, and you, you, you talked about uh, basically defense locally. Are you talking about a, uh, a regulated militia? Well, you, I mean, you can call yourself a regulated militia, you can call yourself a neighborhood watch, you can call Call yourself yeah. a community defense group. I mean, obviously, a regulated militia when it comes to constitutional language is uh, is a little bit more significant when uh, based on that document. But you know, in the end, let's let's use an example: the kibbutzes on October seventh in Israel. Imagine how that entire thing would have changed if there had been ten to fifteen armed people. It doesn't matter, male or female, it's irrelevant. That operated and functioned as a neighborhood watch and community defense. All of that chaos was caused by what three to five hundred members of Hamas. If every one of those had had an armed population to counter that, you would have seen a completely different scenario. And we need to be thinking like that. Um, in the military, we have this thing called a red team, a red team leader. That's thinking like your opposition and what would what would they do? Not what, not what would we do as your typical American? It's what, what would they do? How far would they be willing to go? Once you kind of get an idea of how an enemy thinks, then you know how to counter what they're doing. And the best thing we can do in America right now is make ourselves a hard target and pray that it's never needed. Yeah. You know, when you talk about these uh, Chinese nationalists that are coming across the border, and we've been seeing video, we've been hearing more and more about these Chinese nationalists. And in fact, you're probably familiar with the document uh, or the speech that was given, I forget who it was in China, about basically that one of their end goals was to eradicate the people of America and, and recolonize America with the Chinese. You're familiar with that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder when you read these AP articles about Utah and about how they're able to influence our legislation, if maybe even China is part of the reason we are, have been so soft on immigration here is maybe that's something that uh, China has been pushing to our legislators. What are your thoughts on that? Is that a possibility? I have certainty. When they are, so, okay, up here in Montana, you saw a balloon float over, right? It kept on going down across the country to South Carolina before we finally shot it down. I would say that balloon is a symbol and an example of everything that's going on across the country with China for decades. Our economy, our defense industry, and giving away, giving away or selling secrets. 
politicians being bought up at all levels, not just I at mean, uh, not just at the federal level. I mean, look again. Utah is a perfect example that 25 of our legislators making trips, routine trips, trips to China. I mean, we're, we're I think one of the best examples of. And it's not of, just China; it's it's all they're all working together. China and all the other guys, whether it's Soros or the others, are all funding different DAs and uh, people to to push this down our throats. Yeah. But, but sorry, go on with the balloon. Analogy. It's all one goal, whether it be George and Alex Soros of China, but in the end, all they really want to do is destroy the institution that is America as a republic and replace it with something that's in their vision, which is a tyrannical form of government with them as our overlords. Again, thank God for the Second Amendment, because even even the most liberal people, when they're starving, will decide that the, the, they've changed their mind. That the, the, you know this woke ideology stuff is is interesting when you're when you're fed every day and you have access to water and you're living in a clean environment. But as soon as all that goes away, because that's what happens when you go full socialist. Look at Venezuela. Uh, people will shift, and that shift is already happening with uh, with a large amount of the Amer- of America. And that part of my fear is the fact that people in the administration in China and others know that that's happening. And what are they going to do? to create a crisis to prevent it. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, my wife's family is all all Jewish. And obviously everything going on right now with, with Palestine, they're they becoming very concerned because, I mean, they're now all of a sudden their lives are in danger, even here in the States. And it's just fascinating to see them get becoming politically awake and realizing that, the, that and most of these, they were very leftists, you know, very much Democrat, very left before, very much against the Second Amendment. They'd see pictures of my wife now shooting and they thought it was, you know, they'd be, you know, like absolutely upset at her for doing that. And it's funny because now all of a sudden they're talking about getting guns. They're talking about the second amendment. They're talking about they're and they're talking about, they're starting to realize the democratic party. And again, it really is one big unit party, but they're starting to realize that they had been maybe on the wrong side of things. So it is neat to see some people waking up. Well, they start to come back to reality is what it is. Cause like you said, when, when things are pushed at what, at what point or what, what mountain or what hill do you die on to actually take a stand against what you believe and what's, true and correct with yeah. the constitution that's that's the point that that their fan your family and and these others will get to yeah when you're pushed when push comes to shove guess what there is no there's no republican or democrat and and, and when really what it comes down to is not it is not left versus right it is it is the common people against the elite yes and the and the, and the sooner people wake up to that the sooner we have a chance to, to win this fight so all right so the physical so the first one is government against the people uh basically switching over that pyramid you know, from God and, and the people at the top to the government at the top. The second one is the, is the physical battle, which is opening our borders and basically allowing this infiltration of the enemy into the country. Would you also include in that uh, the waging of uh, war on our economy, our dollar, doing things that are financially irresponsible to uh, including getting rid of our natural resources, our ability to be uh, independently uh, in, energy independent because it feels like there's a lot of little things that have weakened our country from oil to our economy and not and our borders. So would, would you add all those things to that as well? Oh, you most certainly could. Yeah, it's, it, I said this a few days ago that failure of this level takes a, takes a plan. In a, in, of course, a willing participant in this administration. So uh, the devaluing of our currency, the massive amount of debts, and all of those things you listed, could easily fall into selling off our birthright as American citizens. And that 
this is one of the another one of the reasons why I cued in on your interview and what specifically is happening in Utah because there's variations of what's happening in Utah and other states. So, as we've already described it in Utah, we've already sounded close to what's happening in Mississippi, where they're buying up land, mineral rights, and other things, commodities through proxy nations and companies that eventually, if you pull the thread hard enough, will shake something loose in Beijing. So, you know, very much prevalent to, uh, to Utah, but you're not alone. It's just, you know, a slightly different shade of something over in a different state where they're trying it another way and sadly succeeding. But state laws matter in this too. So that's one place to look. What Mississippi is doing is, it's against the law, but they're, they're using parts of the law in a unique way to be able to succeed at what they're doing. In Utah, they're doing it a little bit differently, but somewhere they're going to succeed or maybe in both places. So you, you've got to keep an eye on them everywhere. I found fascinating about what you just said about the uh, the plan and how large it is that it, that it, it would take a coordinated plan and somebody that's complicit in this. And, and it's interesting because a lot of the people that I talk to say there's no way that this plan is that coordinated with all the different pieces that are from around the world, different countries, different legislatures, different counties. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of pieces that need to fall in line. Of course, this takes a hundred years. They've been implementing this for a long time and, and each time it fails, they, they go back to the drawing board, but you're absolutely right. This is coordinated 100%. It, it, yeah, it almost takes a level of naivety to think that this is just a series of dumb decisions that uh, are being made right now across the country. I mean. Uh, there, I, th I think you're right. That's a good point. Um, this is clearly being orchestrated. And what would you be your your response to these people who say who would who would who would say, well, there's no way this could be orchestrated? Well, first of all, I mean, like part of my organization is education, and all you can do sometimes is keep telling them about it, keep showing them their receipts. Here's the proof. Here's the result that's happened elsewhere. And if they don't listen, then so be it. You, you can't force it. But uh, um, I've come to the conclusion that people don't move off a couch unless they're uncomfortable. And some people have a high pain tolerance. <laughs> we do not. Uh, but I also think that uh, when, when you take that, that big circle that is God that goes around that power pyramid, like you mentioned, and that's 100% accurate, and you find the people that are part of God's remnant, he's also blessed them at times with the ability to you know, kind of see ahead and recognize patterns and see what's coming and say, hey, this is what they're doing. Make them, take them through history, show, show the history of totalitarian regimes and say, if they say it can't happen in America, tell them to look at 1920s Germany, right? Exactly in a place where they said that something like that could never happen. Then what do you get? 1930s and 40s Germany, it happened. It can happen here too. But in the end, if you can't convince through logic, through history, through anything else and evidence, they're just going to have to find out the hard way. And at the very least, have a team of people that are there to provide the leadership these folks need. Uh, God gave us grace. We should be willing to dispense the same kind of grace the best we can from, our, from where we're sitting to if someone realizes even very at the last second what's happening and bring them into the fold. Um, in the meantime, all you can do is do your best. So what would you say is number three? So number one, we have government flipping the, the pyramid of, of God, people, and government. Two is this the, them allowing the attack to come from within, kind of the, the enemy within. What, would, what is number three on this five-point uh, of war? 
Well, three is actually China. Okay. Talk this is why China. you could make an argument that really all this is is kind of you know pulling pieces out of one master plan uh, and one major conflict. But to take a slightly different turn from what we've already talked about with them and what they're doing here, first of all, you got the Belt and Road Initiative, which you know the economic initiative to run Chinese influence through Asia, Africa, Europe, everywhere, and, and connecting all these all these countries. The second one being the uh, the BRICS organization, Brazil, Russia, India, China, Saudi Arabia, and expanding in order to replace the American petrodollar as a primary form of exchange. And it's already happening. If that does happen, the oil price that holds up the American petrodollar value around the world will significantly change. And what you could see is the crashing of the American dollar. China is very happy to be willing to try to crash the value of our currency and replace it with theirs. You know, and the thing, again, it, it's so significant. And it's because what we're seeing right now with the framework, it's like, I think, again, going back to number two, our government actually feels like not only they see this happening, but are actually allowing and encouraging the collapse of the dollar by their reckless spending, giving, you know, not only, you know, our money to Ukraine and spending like wild. Meanwhile, they don't spend money on our borders or on our veterans or our, or on, you know, building up our military. But what are they doing is they're setting up the CBDC. So when that crash happens, all of a sudden they're ready to now move us into a digital dollar. And what we find out is right here in Utah County, this, this is something that we just came out. Um, they are setting up the uh, framework through blockchain technologies is be being developed in Utah County that will tie in the digital dollar to your, uh, uh, basically what will be your social credit score to your digital ID so that they will be able to have everything all manageable on every individual when that dollar crashes. So again, you talk about everything going on and what's happening in our, in our backyard. Well, it just so happens the UN is, is, and a company right here, actually, with some of our uh, Utah County commissioners are on that company building that infrastructure right here. I mean, honestly, that's it's huge because Utah's a tech state. And so it makes it easy for these guys to do this. They've got all the pieces, all the international parts, the money's here. And uh, so all I have to do is implement that and put it to work. Yeah. yeah. I remember about a year and a half ago you, you know, when Alina first warned me to what you guys are doing with your driver's licenses there. That's just, ID. I mean, that's part of the bigger puzzle. That's the, that's the amazing part of what you guys are working for, for the state of Utah right now is you've got a 500 piece puzzle. You know, you've got the edges all put down and now you're starting to fill in the middle. And eventually what you're going to see is a picture. And that, that picture is tyrannical and it's happening in every state in different ways, but Utah needs to focus on the United Nations climate change agenda and the CBDC and the, cause that's going to affect everybody, obviously, but you guys have a significant part of what they're trying to prove. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to share about China on that uh, third piece? Um, I'll talk about a little bit, something about them at the end too, because I don't want to paint a picture like, you know, China's this albatross that, it, that is uh, in a good position to just take over the world and doesn't have its own problems. So uh, I'd like to clean that part up at the end. If it... Okay, well, then we'll, let's move to number four. Number four is Ukraine. Preventable war, one promise of no, we want to let Ukraine in, in, into NATO would have stopped the whole thing. Ukraine has been bombing their east, it has been our, using artillery on the eastern provinces of Donetsk and Luhansk for a long time. And it basically got ignored. 
So, you know, Ukraine is a uh, is a a money laundering bank now the size of Texas. What does it mean to us in America? Well, one, your tax dollars are sent over there. They're often funneled and returned back to Act Blue to fund Democrat and sometimes Republican campaigns as well. So that's an issue. You got oligarchs driving around in forces because, hey, it, it's free money. Why not? But my primary concern is the fact that not only because of the finances we're sending and that we're continuing to build as a result, but we're sending so much of our equipment over there. And Biden will keep saying, oh, we're just sending our stockpiles and replenishing it. That's garbage. No, we're affecting our readiness to deal with our own homeland defense and something that could be an actual critical war to us to go over there with no strategy, no plan, and basically take, take sides in the thug-on-thug thug contest where both of them are equally corrupt. Now, Russia was the one who invaded it, sure. We helped prime that pump and get it started. Ultimately, you know, it's I, I don't think we need to be involved in that. I mean, take a look at, if I were to use a scenario down here, take the state of Texas and make it an independent nation, and then take the rest of the United States. If the United States and Texas got into war over two counties in the northeast side of Texas, because, you know, for whatever reason, I guess, does that matter to the rest of the world, or is that more of an internal conflict? I think it's time to let Ukraine and Russia settle this. I just like them to stop killing each other. This this war, this war in Ukraine, whatever you want to call it, that's going on over there. There's a lot of propaganda that's being brought about. I want I want the listener to really understand this and pay attention to this because what's been happening in our in our government and our legislature up in Congress by approving hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars to go to this war. What are they funding? Number one, okay, why? Why are they not funding our southern border and our own protections and each state doing their doing their same to do to be a sovereign state and to protect their own states? How is that money being seen? Where are where's the accountability? Why is why do we not have the understanding of where that money is going and then when it's coming back? Okay, that was the whole thing with Burisma. If you remember the Hunter oh, yeah. Biden uh, deal with uh, with Joe Biden with all these. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, guys. And that's why these guys are sending money over there. And why if you're congressman is voting for this. Why is he or she voting for this? Why do they not know? Why don't they say no to it? I know there's been several that have said no, and there's several in the not state in of our Utah backyard that have not said yes, yeah. right? And, right? And and I don't understand that. So I don't know if they're just useful idiots and they don't understand it. But if you're in Congress, you better not be a useful idiot. You better understand what's going on in our, in our backyard, just Utah alone. And then why is that money now being funneled back to special interests, like you said, Act Blue, to different Republican and democratic campaigns. Guys, what are we doing here and what are we funding? And then the munitions. Oh my gosh, what are we doing giving away all of our munitions to different countries and where is that going? All right, I know we're on short on time. What's the fifth? Fifth one now is Israel. And there's a different dynamic there, of course. We've got an ally in the Middle East. It's the only functional democracy in the Middle East. Uh, but you know, that doesn't mean that as allies that we always have to agree with each other on everything that we're doing. But that shouldn't stop us from being allies. I kind of liken this to myself and my brother growing up. We were always fighting amongst ourselves until someone else got involved. When if someone else gets involved, you both take on that person, put them down, and then you can go back to fighting amongst yourself. So Israel and America can fight amongst ourselves among policies and various things right now. But to, right now, we need to be united and we need to crush Hamas. And we need to turn the Gaza Strip into Israeli territory and never give it back to the United Nations because they were part of the problem in the first place. 
But once more, what do you see? You see us shipping a large chunk of our military readiness directly over into the region and putting them at risk. We publicly advertised the presence of American nuclear submarines in the Eastern Mediterranean. We showed you pictures of our aircraft carriers. We have 19 different outposts through Syria and Iraq, at least the ones we know of, that are getting attacked almost daily right now. We're not really doing anything to respond. You can't send a couple F-15s to bomb some empty warehouses and send them home and saying we're deterring anything. We can have the greatest military in the world, and we still do. But if you lack the willpower to send the message of deterrence that needs to be sent in order to have our soldiers protected, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing and attacking our bases. And I'm talking people and bases throughout the region, and so that's happening. Why does that matter to Utah? Well, it's your tax dollars. It's your readiness as one state in this nation. Um, There might be some of your soldiers over there out of your National Guard or whoever. That's because that's... The thing that concerns me here, where where we're headed as a, as a country, is you've got to spread out between you know Ukraine and Russia. We're, we're weakening our dollar. It's, it's to, to I mean on the verge of crumbling our financially. Our our equipment is is being spread between you know now not only you know Ukraine but now Israel. Um, we're not energy independent. We have we are creating. We, the, the two biggest enemies, Russia and China, are both allies. And I can't just, I can't not acknowledge the fact that, that just something inside me tells me that as soon as we get engaged a little bit more with, with Israel and with Ukraine, it's only a matter of time that we're so spread out that we have Russia and China in a perfect position to attack the empire that is on the verge of collapsing. And we're so spread out. We don't have the our financially. We're on the verge of destitute. We don't have. We don't have in, independent energy. I think we're just again. That goes back to step one and two. I think we are being set up for a massive takeover. That's that's how it feels to me. No, you're you're seeing this the same way. Those of us who are watching this every day are as well. It's um, it's a plan. It has to be a plan. And when you start getting into the Bilderberg Group, World Economic Forum, the United Nations, even some aspects of things like NATO, uh, and you start packaging all this together and you realize what their aims are, uh, you really can't get away from that term global governance. This massive, you know, worldwide oligarchy of, of, of so-called elite, even though I hate him calling that because it implies something that they're not. True. With, with but, five, what are you, what are you uh, trying to do? With point five on Israel, what do you, what do you, what direction do you think that uh, uh, we as a nation need to go? They're obviously our only ally in that region. Um, we've taken a stand, and now it, it's uh, it, you know there are people that are fearing for their lives. I mean, I've heard uh, awful talk like we had back during the Holocaust era around the world. Seen it all over social media. These these um, these protests and riots, in my opinion, that are paid for, but people are going out there now. They're creating a frenzy amongst people. So now that now you've got people that are anti-Semitic. And now it's okay. Where do we go with this? How do we how do we win this? How do we how do we settle it down? How do we calm it down before it gets to the point where we do have a massive takeover? And you've got what fifty two or fifty four Arab countries that surround Israel over there. How do we win this? Well, first of all, we've got to actually back Israel in reality, not just say we are. Well, we're also seem to be stabbing them with that in the back. Uh, Biden's over there calling for a two state solution, which has never worked throughout history, and it, it never will. Bill. Uh, we need to do something different. In in 48, 
and in 56 and 67 in 1973, all these wars with where Israel just crushed their opposition. There was always the United States and others saying, hey, go back to where you came from. Let's uh, put everything back where it started. And that always put Israel in a bad position. Hamas, Hezbollah, a large chunk of the Arab world has zero intention of letting Israel live in peace amongst them. I think we'd love it if we if they did. We were so close to watching Saudi Arabia and Israel sign a normalization pact amongst each other. Uh, Iran couldn't handle that and didn't want it to happen. So they, you know, I'm sure that this was part of the reason why they instigated this. But if we're going to do anything right now, we need to stand by Israel and back their play. And I hope their play is to say, you and you're not welcome. The Gaza Strip is ours. Arabs and, and Israelis can actually live side by side in peace. And most of them kind of really want to. But again, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and even us don't seem to want that to happen. So that would be our number one way back and, and, and just continue to, to back them up. And then well, hopefully in 24, when it comes to the commander in chief world, we find somebody who's worthy of that position. We got one last question, then we're going to give us some final thoughts. Um, <clears throat> I believe that the most effective form of warfare, and we are in war, you're 100% right. And to me, the, the, who I see personally, you know, us being at war with here, at least in my backyard, is these global supposed elites that are, that are pushing this garbage, these politicians, and I would consider the media as part of that, as that part of their team. And to me, I think the greatest way we can wage war on those who are trying to destroy the foundation of this country and our constitution is through information warfare, waking people up, exposing corruption. What, what, would, you, what, what would you say about the importance of information warfare? Because I know that's a big thing with you. Uh, the information warfare is, one of the, is, the, is really one of those huge fronts in this entire thing globally. And that's the mission of the Global Veterans Coalition is why I talked to 15 countries, because we're trying to show people from the veterans' perspective What's going on in all these countries? Because if we were to have this interview and New Zealand, Australia, Netherlands, Canada, it's the same thing. You know, the currency, the land ownership, the businesses, the debt, the, the immigration crisis, they are all suffering the exact same thing. And so what you're seeing is an attack on the, on the free Western democracies around the world. That's what has me concerned because if, uh, clearly, if you start bringing all these free Western democracies down, you you bring down the uh, the only economies at scale that can support people's livelihoods, that can provide the food and the water and the electricity and all the things that is that are necessary for people to live and thrive. So, they're wrapping this entire thing up with lies. Lies that look like truth sometimes in order to get people to respond in an entirely different direction than in the direction they, sh they should be. When people argue about, you know, White Cox, you know, there's no World Economic Forum. There's no 15-minute city. It's massively obvious, but they don't care. And, and, and the media and the regular media won't touch it. The regular media will not touch it. Oh, exactly. And, and you mentioned that all those media outlets I'm on, and I'm glad for those opportunities to be on there talking about the things we can to try to inject the best kind of truth we can. So we have to, for now, we're kind of measured in not saying some things that will get us immediately booted off because we got to build that trust. And if we build that trust, at some point, we're going to be able to say, hey, a 15-minute city is a reality is designed to control you and they won't remove you as fast. 
So, you know, I, I go on the news, I do a five or six minute interview, but I don't watch the news. I listen to the network of people I got around the country and around the world to get the truth. And I think that's the beauty about running trusted networks of, be of human beings is you can bypass that information war in many cases and bring the truth into the war instead. I love it. I love it. Well, I know you're short on time and I appreciate your time that you've given us and to the people here in Utah. Uh, to wrap up, uh, if you could uh, share a message with the people here in Utah, what would you want to share with uh, the, the people here in the great state of Utah? Yes, thanks. It's, it's a pleasure joining you guys. I would tell you that the, the message is that what's happening in Utah matters to the world. Because if the United Nations can succeed where you are, they're going to replicate that model in every state of the American Union and in many nations overseas. So don't think that your fight is just locally and it's only going to impact you locally. Look at this from the perspective of local action with national and global vision and impact. Because every single time the United Nations, these global governance people lose, it matters to everybody around you. Because what they're trying to do is destroy anything that defends, sustains, and magnifies life. And every individual matters. We have individual rights for a reason. So when you go to your city council, you go to your county commissions, you go to whatever level of governance that you are in Utah, and you fight against the encroachment of governmental overreach through directly through non-governmental organizations or through nonprofits, you are part of the, we, the, we are the people army. I love it. Who's out there right now defending liberty, not only in your state, but what you're doing is seen by other states and other countries, and people are learning how to fight back against what's happening. So don't think that what you're doing just inside Utah at a small town council doesn't matter and it's not having an impact. So keep going. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I sit in this chair right here to, to, to do that very thing. I love this country and, uh, you need to love the country like you want to breathe because guys, you're not going to be able to breathe once the, the uh, policies are enacted and the uh, control is enacted. So that's why I do this because I love it. And I, and I want to spread the message and, and we appreciate you, Darren, for uh, spreading that message around the country. And uh, you, you've been fantastic today. Very enlightening. Thank you. <clears throat> Excuse me, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Darren Gobb. Uh, it has been an absolute honor to have you and have your, Someone right now, you're every we've been trying to coordinate this for he is from one meeting to the next all over the country. I mean, this guy is in high demand right now. Thank you for for taking a moment to pause and talk about something about Utah and and put your attention there. And uh, I, I give you our our word that we will fight to the very end to defend our freedoms here in Utah to take back this state from those global elites who are trying to take this state from us and and this country. And um, with your help, you make it that fight much easier. So God bless you. And uh, to our listeners, thank you. Please like, subscribe, follow. Uh, follow Lieutenant uh, Colonel uh, Darren Gobb. He's an incredible, incredible man. The more you follow him, you're going to be amazed at who he is, and you will appreciate his time even more. So God bless you. God bless America. And God bless Utah.